Hello and welcome to the Super Beast podcast with Berg and Blake. We're going to be talking about various issues each week, uh, just things that have caught our attention that we wanted to uh, sound off against each other about. And this week um, we're going to be talking a lot about recycling uh, and also playing some tunes and just generally uh, having a bit of a chat. And we've recorded an incredible uh, uh, jingle. So we've known each other for about 20 years now, haven't we? Yeah, maybe 19, 20 years uh, from when we uh, went to to college together. It was fun, fun time at college, you know, like um, like back in the day. Um, But yeah, time's time's gone on a bit. Um, But it's uh, it's nice to hook up, and uh, yeah, I always thought a bit like I really like writing. I know that you like writing as well. Uh I think writing sometimes can be quite a solitary activity. Yeah. And uh, it's sometimes you can explore an issue in a little bit more detail by listening to the counterpoints and other suggestions. So we'll see how it goes to uh, to bounce off each other a bit and uh, yeah, hopefully have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, and you used to uh, put out um, that uh, magazine called Hyde Park Heat when you were living down in Leeds. how, how long was that going for? Since about 2007, finishing, not intentionally, but finishing it about 2013, 2000, maybe into 2014. Okay, yeah. yeah, so it's running for quite quite a while, and I wrote a few articles for that um, after being inspired by Charlie Brooker's <laughs> uh, screen burn column that was in The Guardian at the time, and I think I was convinced that I, that I, could, that I could do a bit of that, so uh, I wrote some articles and submitted them. Um, what are the kind of you were sort of covering kind of social issues in and around Leeds and North Yorkshire and that kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's um, it was primarily originally I was promoting a gig down at Carpe Diem, um, free gig called Freebooter, and I did like a newsletter because I was forming a production company, Cat's Face Productions. Oh yeah. Uh, nowadays, all Cat's Face produces is like birthday cards and leaving cards for people with my cartoons <laughs> on, um, but. Yeah, we were putting nights on back then, playing in bands, and yeah, just just on the second side as a bit of a joke. I, I wrote this like skit newspaper article about how Arangian Boone had gone up from four point seven, no, from five point zero down to four point seven, and how it was a big scandal, or maybe five point two to five point zero. Yeah, did drop to four point seven, <laughs> and yeah, we, we just sort of were taking the mick, but in the end, we realised that uh, it was quite nice to um, leave thoughts for other people because Hyde Park is such a, a place where people come for a year or two and then don't realise the trends that are just continually people raising prices, students getting messed over for the deposit. So there was lots of people that were willing, in the end, like yourself, just to get involved and add to a kind of free press, really. Like mm. Talk about anything you wanted, pictures and words on any subject that you wanted. I broadly published anything unless it was terribly offensive or, you know destructive even if it was I still published it back then I didn't have much of a filter (laughs) (laughs) so how how were you putting that out were you just sort of distributing that around like local businesses and that kind of thing or was it online or anything like that no we we never got that modern to put much online although we do have like a Facebook we'd had a MySpace back in the day um probably still is a MySpace on there um but yeah just dropping them off at Pizza Carno and like uh Brudenell Social and Cafes, bars, places that have them. That at one point I was sticking some through people's doors, mm. but there was one point where I stuck this magazine through the door and you contained some very nasty swear words. Mm-hmm. And this little kid ran up to the glass door. <laughs> I was like, oh, something's gone through the door. And I was like, I, 
I can't stick things through the door that contain words like that. And in the end, it's like, yeah, if it's got a bit of an adult content, it needs to be something people choose to pick yeah. up. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun while it was going, and I guess uh, yeah, it'd be nice to um, to somehow make that available online at some point, like a, a little time capsule online. It would be good, but I should just mention that having moved house, I've got quite a few boxes of the old issues. So if you like me, you like reading on the toilet. Um, you can contact us on this um, if you if you pay your package and posting. I'm quite happy to send you some old copies through. Uh, it's a high density publication and it's a free mag, but you know I, I'm not going to pay pay your postage. Or if you come to a speed dinosaurs gig, maybe I can bring some old copies down. You know. So I've always wanted to do a podcast, and it was really difficult to settle on just one uh, subject to do it about every week, uh, unless it was a TV show or maybe film reviews or music reviews or something like that. And then you and I were talking, and we came up with the idea of a, a sort of changing each week um, the topic that we talk about. Um, and yeah, this seems like it could work if we can just get the hang of it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be weekly. Probably won't be. Um, no. But. Yeah, we should meet up sort of semi-regularly and, and uh, yeah, uh, do different podcasts on different things, keep it fairly open. Yeah. Uh, like the free press, you know, or, or like, uh, what's, the, what's the link to Super Beast? That when more than one mine is together, it's it's more super. Yeah, yeah. And you're wearing a top with a, a beast on. It's a, yeah, it's a giant mega beast. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, that'll do, that'll do, yeah. Maybe we should play the jingle, this, this awesome jingle that we've slaved it, over. It sounds like the perfect time to do that. Let's do that. So let's go. <laughs> oink, oink. Super, Super Beast. <laughs> that was awesome, right? Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, I might have to skip back and listen to it again, actually, because <laughs> I, I, it's, yeah, that, that is unique, a unique piece of music. Yeah, featuring featuring unique instruments of uh, of the zither and uh, the timplay, a small island five string guitar uh, from the Canary Islands that I brought back. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully we can get that out in time for Christmas. Yeah, you know, feed the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to play a song now. Um, did you want to uh, just tell us why you wanted to play this song? Yeah. So. Um, do you remember Travis? I do remember Travis. They were, they were awful. Mm-hmm. They were bloody awful uh, Scottish band, and it was very cool to be, you know, like Travis and like middle of the road kind of Scottish crap. Um, but anyway, this this song's from a, from a sort of singer songwriter guy called Billy Liar. Uh, known this guy for years and years. Um, he's sort of like tours around with his guitar, plays extremely fast music. Uh, he's got an awesome voice. Uh, um, quite a lot of like regional accent to him. he's got a brilliant Scottish voice I can't do a Scottish voice as well as him it's, it's incredible but he's uh, been doing this on his own for a long time and he went across a year or so ago to Belgium with his mate Joe and they recorded a full album together with um, Joe Mahone he plays in a punk band called Smoke Not Fire and they recorded this really good album and it just just came out recently okay. on Red Scare Industries and I believe it's got getting a bit released in, in America as well so Billy's obviously doing well for that and it's a super song and I wanted to play this one called Pills so yeah, should we roll it? Yeah, let's listen to that now then Yeah. 
I'm just searching for a new kind of senator You don't have to be ill Kicks the ass of Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I, mean, I seem to remember most of Travis's songs were just them saying one word over and over again, and that was that was how they wrote a chorus. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, I think Billy's album's probably over before. Like, uh, well, <laughs> trying to make an album that was uh, like five tracks in the space of time they would have written one, like <laughs> plodding along, moaning about stuff. Uh, mm. So is he, he he playing live at the moment? Um, yeah, he seems to be doing quite a lot. He's, he works in a, I think he works up in a bar in Dundee. He gets around touring sometimes with his mates. We see him sort of semi frequently when he comes down here and we share a stage with him. It's always great fun. So yeah, and he's he's doing more stuff. Hopefully, getting some plays in America. He, he deserves to be played far and wide because he's he's an excellent artist. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, well, we'll have some more music a little bit later on, um, but uh, let's uh, let's get on to the topic of the discussion for this time around, um, and I guess uh, well, I'll let you introduce it. Okay, well, um, the the article, um, what did I say it was going to be called? Uh, Taking the piss, mm. like the past, present, and future of sort of recycling and you know waste industries. Um, so I've I've had in mind. Um, to, to write an article about this sort of stuff but I found that it is so complicated and there's so many interlinked issues that um, I haven't been able to write this then my, like my house move came along and I, I don't think I'm going to have time to do a good job and I keep finding TV programs or other things that give me other information other sort of perspectives on it so mm. um, yeah just I feel that like the recycling systems that we've got are really inefficient um, and that it seems that the the UK is is going to run out of like landfill space by twenty twenty four. And did you see um, there's a documentary um, with Hugh Fernley Whittingstall 
and some of the presenter whose name eludes me right now called uh what is it, it was related to plastics. Um Okay. I can't even remember what it's called, but um yeah, it, did you did you happen to watch it? I don't, no, I haven't seen it. No. Well, it caused me a lot of concern because he was just showing what happens to a lot of the the waste and some of it recyclable waste in the UK because the council's budgets are getting cut. Mm. They're offsiting a lot of this to other countries. Yeah, most of this is ending up in Malaysia, and a lot of it is being dumped there kind of illegally. Mm-hmm. And he was looking through like sites over there and finding like recyclable things with like different council names in England mm. just being dumped in this bit of land. Yeah. Um, so you've got these Malaysian people saying, look, uh, you know, some of Malaysia's economy is really good, but other parts are very, very poor third world. And they're saying, look, do us a favor. Can you stop dumping your recyclable waste in our country? Mm. And there was other aspects to it as well that there were, you know, um, burning this stuff by the side of the road and you've got family saying, yes, my children are crying blood, their lungs are bursting open um, and it's really stuff that you'd have to be pretty hard skinned to like not kind of be a bit worried that we're destroying someone else's environment to lead a kind of unsustainable lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the recycling initially was being exported to China um, and you know, it's big, big industry, uh, big business. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they're sort of maximizing every uh, penny that they can get out of the, the waste that was sent there. But um, I think in in the wake of uh, some kind of whistleblower documentary, um, the, the Chinese government decided to take some action. And in at the start of 2018, they closed the close the, the flow of uh, waste into the country. Um, is it called Operate National Sword? Or, or something was the name of the operation, but they, they basically cut off the flow of uh, other other nations' waste into their country, and so now it's all flowing into to other places like Malaysia. Yeah, I, it's like ideally, like when I was starting to think about this this article, I wanted to look around some of the UK's waste like sorting facilities and let's get some tips Mm-hmm. Especially for the people working there, do you want your can uncrushed? Do you want it crushed? Is it like in Germany where you can, you know, that they can refill that or something? Probably not. Mm. How much, um, you know, resources are used in melting down glass and recasting it? Mm-hmm. Is is there a better way? Could we be getting labels off, refilling them? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it, it seems that just watching those sort of documentaries that it isn't just going into a big vat being recast and remoulded and using a certain amount of energy. Mm. Uh, it's been sent halfway around the world and obviously we're getting a bit conscious of like CO2 levels and and that kind of stuff. Um, but I'd still love to have a look around some facilities and I'd, I'd love to have the time and to yeah. do that or even just watch a YouTube or whatever of, of those sort of things, just mm. get some tips because it seems like every council has got a different method of doing it mm. and it feels like, well, politically we've been smashing our heads against this like Brexit boulder for and not talking about any other issues for mm. ages and it seems like yeah there's an, everyone's talking about an environmental emergency I think that there's probably it's going to take for there to be like an energy crisis for this to sort of um, come to a head really that you know it's, it's not going to be cities being underwater but we, when we can't we can't lead that certain lifestyle but I think we'll get away with it as long as we can because we're rich yeah relatively as a country yeah, absolutely. And I think we produce a lot more waste uh, annually, the, the, you know, a lot more waste than we have the capability to process uh, and the land to bury or the incinerators to incinerate over here. So there's just there's no way to cope with the amount of waste that's being produced, which is something I will get onto later. But um, 
yeah, something needs to happen. And as, as these other uh, countries start closing their doors on the flow of waste, um, then we're going to have to deal with it at that point. Um, and we need to do it sooner, really. Yeah. There were some other like linked things in with this where a few other stories came out where, um, well, they said that there's the average human is ingesting five grams of plastic a week whether that's through breathing or things that we're eating or water we drink, mm-hmm. like these kind of microplastics are getting everywhere. They're in the ice caps. They're 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 flowing around the world, and you could be you could really worry about stuff like that. But it just seems every sort of few weeks or months, a new scientific thing will come out. But then we'll end up thinking about what Orange Face has tweeted or kind of how many hairs like Boris Johnson's got out of place or something stupid and almost irrelevant when you when you can consider it in the bigger picture. We just obsess about immigration and about like solving our borders. Whereas in fact if we really work together to kind of sort out the basics, um, then we wouldn't be taking the piss anymore. Mm. Do you think it's good then that there's uh, just on environmental issues that there's people like uh, Greta Thunberg that's sort of raising these issues and kind of staying in the public eye and making a fuss about it and organising things like <laughs> Extinction Rebellion and all of that? Yeah, it, the, there's, there's, there's good, definite good things and it's a real open goal for the young people who've got any empathy to get on board the planet is getting messed up mm. and it's and it's their planet, their, their future, so that you can see why they're concerned about it, but it's an easy way to get out of school <laughs> and the more conservatives are like, their parents are filling their heads full of this nonsense that it's a catastrophe growing and it's like, yeah, you do see like, you know, 50% of life on Earth or of species have become extinct in, over the last 100 years or so and like, yeah, there is a real, we are, we are causing like the Holocene um you know, kind of epoch of, of the earth where the humans are like, we're so good at what we do that we're, we've got the potential to kill the earth. Yeah. And yeah, we, we don't want to be like Mary Shelley was forecasting that, you know, killed by our best inventions and too stupid to notice. A great visual metaphor I saw was at festivals was like, daddy was jumping up and down. The kids were wearing their the silent earphones and they destroyed because it rained so much the entire environment it's like yay party 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 but they killed all the environment and they're still partying and I think you could go past that and not realise but I I think for the the middle of the road or conservatives they're saying they're filling their heads with mumbo jumbo it's like no actually if we really don't sort sort this out soon there isn't going to be much of a future for the, the, the generations to go on. Everything's going to be so messed up and we're going to be so used to it being messed up mm. with the political situation at the minute. It just seems like we're used to this farce. I think it's something that's really important um, to, to try and get everybody uh, engaged with this subject is to uh, highlight the, the sort of separation between, the, on the one hand, um, the, what people, climate change deniers uh, <laughs> and people that deny that uh, that you know mankind is, is having any impact on the uh, on the climate at all, and just and put that to one side almost and just say, yeah, fine, okay, you can say that we're not doing it. All of those factories and all of that smoke isn't uh, affecting the climate. But look at this: the climate is changing, uh, regardless of whether we're having an impact or not. And regardless, we need to do something about it, like stop polluting the oceans and... Uh, <laughs> Not burning uh, down the rainforests. Yeah. Although there's complicated social issues of, like, people need extra food and farmers feel like they're entitled, but, yeah, like, 
Amazon being burnt down. Um, how how can you kind of ignore that? It's the lungs of the planet. Like, um, but yeah, people will continue to kind of lead their these unsustainable lifestyles as long as they can get away with it. And my concern with the kind of climate change they see deniers seem to be just providing a nice stopgap between when big business inevitably will get involved in kind of geo patching and fixes like they can suck CO2 out of the atmosphere and perhaps they might have some success with this and make instant coal or whatever they think. But I think that there are some huge risks with, with, uh, with having to rely on geo fixes and then say, we can continue to lead this really, really unsustainable lifestyle. Um, a film, I watched a kind of documentary film, um, called uh, Age of the Stupid with which one of Pete Postlethwaite's last ones in a row. I don't know if you saw it, no. but it was it was replayed after its ten year anniversary. It came out in two thousand and nine, and they looked at it after two thousand and nineteen. Um, basically, it forecasts that if we don't make some very serious changes, then the Earth might finish by maybe like middle of this century. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have just you know just defeated ourselves because it will get too difficult to sort it. Um, and the forecast of this was that basically we need to cut down our CO2 emissions, the Western countries need to lead on this, and then once we've kind of shrunk these down, the other countries, the developing countries, theirs are going to go up, and we all eventually kind of level out and don't use that much. Mm-hmm. And that was 10 years ago, and no progress is made whatsoever because everyone's been talking about migrants and, you know, borders and, you know, denying stuff and basically punching each other in the heads and for the last 10 years we're in this global um kind of slow down and then recession and then kind of you know yeah the the day-to-day sort of social socio-political stuff of what what's happening in people's neighborhoods like on their street on their doorstep um it's just easy to focus on all of that for for, for most people but that none of that will matter <laughs> in uh, you know yeah for 40 or 50 years time uh, weren't they saying i think i think not even last year maybe the year before they'd kind of come to this uh, consensus uh, the scientific community that we had about 11 years left i think to reverse uh, the effects of, of climate change yeah. and that was two years ago i think now and and pretty much not a lot has no. happened and yeah. and this continues to happen mm. that's the point it's like when you looked at they revisit the scientist who, who would kind of show this model of what needs to happen say well we need to reduce it by we forecast two percent at the time turns out now it's 1.5 percent uh we know near that happening there's more air travel there's more pollution you know nothing's changed none of the governments have made this an issue because they're all focused on the borders and you know like we, we've been obsessing with punching ourselves in the head for like the last three years since that vote and yeah there's no progress whatsoever being made so you can understand the young people's frustration Mm. and people can deny stuff as they want but that's why i'm going back to the real basics let's let's have some organized systems let's be able to use things for instance um looking at like the the peak oil situation where uk us has probably peaked it's a production of oil saudi arabia probably has as well we're using oil at an unsustainable rate it's in the, the fertilizers we put on the fields it's in you know the, the tarmac that's on the roads. It's in all the cars. It's you look around in any room, you see the plastics that are using this this finite resource that's not being replaced. Like seven gal- gallons of oil per tire 
it's thousands of gallons of oil that have mm. just been used. And my concern is that it'll come to an energy crisis because we won't have organized that, that we can use the technology to, to save the planet. We will have made it for a bunch of frivolous shit, basically, and mm. won't be able to do it. So we, we have got this transitional period where we need to be actually reducing things. And, you know, it, it's not people beating each other up because they, they didn't make a small change. We can all make small changes. It's, it's educating countries. It's doing what Attenborough's done. Uh, but, like, Asia is a big issue as well because they just seem to still be, like, throwing their plastics out into the rivers. And mm -hmm. I know we do... The same stuff happens. Kids are careless, but... Like, you know, sat on a train on a honeymoon, people are chucking their cups out and it, that's like a normal thing. Then again, I saw a truckie do that in, in Britain the other day. So, it's, yeah, we all need to, to give, a, give a hoot about it, really. And um, otherwise, we, we're fucked. Yeah, there needs to be a, a cultural shift um, in, in, every, in every country, really, especially uh, the, the, some of the larger, more polluting ones, definitely. Um, and uh, as people take sort of small small steps towards it you know there are small things that we can do on an individual or company level to to have an impact and uh, you know eventually that stuff might start snowballing and might become a, a, a revolution um and then you know if, if we could take a lead here in the uk and some of that stuff uh, it could potentially then be reflected around europe and eventually the world uh, be the envy of Europe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, and just sort of wave at them uh, from across the water. Yeah, it, that do you reckon that's likely? Uh, no, absolutely not. No, yeah. and um, I, I mean the thought that that it, 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 you know one good thing about Brexit is that it shows how fucked and broken politics is and how yeah. how utterly useless it is at achieving anything of, of note uh, and so we can't rely on politics to, to take care of this sense, yeah not. no um, I mean some sort of legislation and things like that is good if it you know promotes if, if we tax um, uh, you know companies for for using certain types of plastics and stuff like that that's all great um, but the the kind of the I think really the change needs to start, uh, you know, closer to home. Yeah. Well, government are going to rely on private companies to do stuff in this country because we've pretty much killed the, the collective economy. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, it's supermarkets like taking material back and recycling it in a more efficient and money-saving way for them, mm. not using as much single-use plastics, obviously. Yeah. Um, and being able to use refillables and things where possible. Obviously, I don't know the energy equations involved, but if you've got to destroy something, melt it down, recast it, it takes a lot of energy. If you can just sterilize it, get it back on the shops. So for me, I don't know, there's many ways you could solve it, but it involves like collective action where people are on the same page, mm. refill your bit, get, give your, your other bits to the supermarket to wash, you, you're entitled to another one. But it's probably gonna come down to some sort of um, merit-based system whereby if you're taking six holidays a year you take that many flights then you get taxed more for it or you know no one's gonna perhaps want to get taxed more and the rich aren't but it's mm. going to come down to either making the choice to do that as individuals or being asked to do it collectively leaning on the right companies to do it but can i just refer back to the title of this article taking the piss again mm. why well, i called it that because one of the biggest things that we could do to sort out a lot of the issues is um take the piss physically like the ammonia that's in our urine can be used to fertilize and make the land more fertile um we're 
we get rid of it and, and people produce a lot of urine mm. I'm going to produce Have a lot later when I drink <laughs> drinking but in cities they must make a lot mm. now if that's collected and used by farmers for fertiliser great that's we're not using oil and it's organic and yeah it's a bit disgusting but um what do you think about that would you be happy to have the piss taken out of you in order to uh make the the planet like less reliant well as long as i was uh, in control of the extraction methods i mm. could probably yeah but yeah i mean i suppose if there were if there was sort of a um dedicated or allocated toilet in in bars and restaurants that was the uh, the piss collector um and you had a choice yeah, yeah you had a choice you could sort of decide which way you want to go with your new donation uh, and then <laughs> That was vatted up, tanked up, um, and then sort of shipped off somewhere. I was at Glastonbury earlier this year, and the the big sort of vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. truck that comes along and empties out those toilets, uh, you know, something like that could be re- redeployed, I would imagine. We, we had a classic one. We went, me and my wife Charlotte, we were working at the, the kiddies art tent at this lake fest, and the, the ground, uh, I mentioned it before, got so messed up that um, it, it, we had this really torrential rain. The piss wagon couldn't get up the hill and started to go back down oh, the other God. side they couldn't get the the piss out of the uh, out of the fest out of the festival um that's not good yeah it's it's quite another quite a nice visual metaphor i'm not sure what for for that one but well like, they can use it to regrow that grass that they were trampling on well yeah perhaps the, the deers can come back into that deer park and sort it out but can i mention a bit of a counter thesis that i thought mm. to this that the obvious thing because the um, a lot of the technology companies and, and kind of um, philanthropists, Apple, uh, lots of people are trying to find out the best way of a household toilet that's going to be able to kind of use the byproducts in a useful way. And no one's cracked it yet. Mm. They need a, 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 a solution to like be able to use your effluents um, to basically power a secondary process. And that probably involves things like local gardening and local collectivism and having a, an area base where things can go and it's kind of disgusting but that that stuff is potent energy mm. and to regard it as such as a donation great but there's also the point um of um could this sort of stuff be used to spy on the individual so like you know like drugs testing and mm. things like that mm. yeah you could end up um sleepwalking into the type of um well we do live in a very data-driven economy that you know that someone is i don't know say you were looking for someone who'd sexually assaulted someone and you found that oh, they'd weed in their toilet there'd been traces of that in their urine yeah. and your privacy of your own piss might be coming into question depending on your role and i think there would have to evidently be controls on uh how how the piss is used and this kind of stuff so there's a whole other issue opening up for people's like anonymity if they're mm. going to make their donation that's i know i'm on the next few pages of this that, that just thinking about the idea but naturally an idea has a counter thesis riddled around it so it might make some people um unhappy that the big government was taking the piss out of them and then using it to spy on them basically that yeah i suppose collecting like biological waste from people if it was somehow able to be catalogued and, and linked back to that person <laughs> But, um, you know, everybody's sort of got a listening device in their house these days. Yeah, yeah, we're tracking ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. We're doing it deliberately right now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what I've been thinking about a bit. And that's why I've struggled to write that into an article, because there's a lot of linked issues. and probably didn't go through everything I wanted, but 
In a nutshell, yeah. Yeah, know. yeah. No, well, I, something I was just thinking about as you were talking, you were saying about reusable packaging and, and all of that kind of stuff. And at, at work, we started uh, having the, the milk, the milk person come and deliver yeah. the milk again, and it costs a little bit more. I think it's maybe about sort of, I don't know, an extra twenty five p a bottle over mm. what you would pay in like in the supermarket. But you don't have to go out and get it, and it's just waiting for you there every day, and then you rinse the bottle out and you return it, and and that model just seems so so perfect there's yeah. no there's no kind of waste that i that i see from that and, could, and the more people that get on that the cost can potentially come down yeah exactly yeah and but couldn't you just use that model uh, for all consumable uh, sort of household yeah. products and it, when when you get your delivery from whichever supermarket is your big shop comes you give in them the other bit. yeah and you just give them the empty containers back yeah. and they refill them and that just seems like a, the, an obvious kind of if, if if a company could could get on that and that could be one of their sort of USPs, I think a lot of people would be willing to pay a little bit extra, yeah. maybe not a lot extra, but a little bit extra to say, oh, well, you know. With the promise as well that if you're introducing new people or more people get involved, not to make it sound like a yeah. pyramid scheme, yeah, but the yeah, more no. people that buy into that, the, the costs can come down. You, you just got to look at the rise of like uh, Lidl and Aldi to sort of to understand that. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that could work. There's lots of ways you could organise it. And even to the extent if you start off using the cheaper ones or a plastic container, yes, you might be getting a bit more microplastics in that if you're worried about like how much you're ingesting. Mm. But over time, you could you have the more expensive glass ones if you want, like you know, yeah. And and you can make the choice of premium container or not so premium, and you know you can have that transitional time. But we need to stop smashing ourselves in the face repeatedly, hating each other being divided when we can just focus on something as simple uh, as an economy as, as waste reuse and sending less stuff to landfill and get on with it. Yeah. We, should we leave it there or you got much more? Yeah, like, yeah, no, that's that's good, yeah. That's, is that, is a nice lead into uh, the next track that I wanted to play? Oh, right, okay, then, yeah. Um, then okay, so, so this is a, a track by um, Stoge Snack. Um, this is on a split EP that uh, um, my band recorded with him called the Mass Extinction EP that we released. Good name. Yeah, April 21st this year, um, and it's a track called Cosmic Irony, and I even played a little bit on this, I played my little Tim play and sang a few backing vocals on oh, this right, one, okay. and it's a real call to arms for a kind of a better world and some sort of action uh, towards the climate, um, so should we yeah, listen to let's that? let's have a listen, okay. I'd love to see the world from your perspective 
Um, and saw that the UK's uh, attempt to to enforce a kind of porn block on the UK uh, were, had had stalled again after after everybody said it would. Um, I don't <laughs> think anyone was surprised by that. Um, the idea that you could implement some sort of uh, age or ID verification system to to kind of block or cut down access to pornography online, and that that would somehow help protect our kids from seeing that sort of thing um and so yeah no one was surprised it's been delayed and delayed by years and years and i think now it's just sort of quietly being forgotten about there was something in the news a bit ago about how the uk were going to try and lead on internet kind of you know reasonable internet censorship and it's like we can do one thing well it will be this (laughs) uh and then it's not so much yeah i I think it's all david cameron basically another one of his uh fantastic ideas or a good intention but not really all talk and and no action (laughs) yeah yeah uh although uh, yeah uh, with brexit he was a little bit more successful maybe uh yeah, I thought he didn't want to be. <laughs> it's almost like people have been distracted by a complete load of shit and like have had their head up their ass and yeah, like no one is really focused on the right sort of things. Yeah. But can I mention one thing that really concerned me? It's not it's not related to pornography. Hmm. It's actually related to like snuff. Okay. Um so we're coming back from a school trip and uh, some kid comes to me and says, Oh, I've just watched um this video on so-and-so's phone and it showed a guy getting stabbed and then his head chopped off and i, I can't I, I can't unsee it and i'm like this is the issue and, and we, we have this conversation mm-hmm. about you know like you should be really careful what sort of thing you're going to view before you view it because mm-hmm. um you can't unsee it and i don't know if he's telling the truth or not and whether it's a real video or not um but it, it's something that's needs following up it's like if kids are going to be able to get their hands on watching all sorts of weird stuff mm. i mean we were around the, the birth of the internet and the slow downloads and things like that um yeah well yeah i mean as soon as you said that i it took me back actually because back in i guess like 99 maybe or maybe 2000 ish when yeah we, you know we'd had dial-up for a couple of years and i remember there was a website called morg.org oh, that was just catchy type <laughs> <laughs> just all sorts of oh, horrible yeah. like basically the aftermath of accidents uh, like crime scene photos um and and even to this day a couple of those brains kind of scattered across motorways and things i can still see them if i if i think about it and so it does kind of it does stay with you that kind of thing um but yeah I don't, i'm not sure whether i chose to saw that i think somebody put it in front of me yeah. and just said hey check this out like teenagers do yeah yeah he, he i think that's the same he he watched it expecting it to be like you know a funny video or something like that and it, it really wasn't mm. it's a shame it wasn't ed sheeran in the video though but like you you can't totally can you totally protect everyone from everything that you naturally you're going to see things in your life that you don't like and they are going to stick with you i'm sure like generation upon generation before they went to war and they saw their friends getting killed yeah. and they they saw all sorts of stuff that they don't really want to talk about and they went through that you can't wrap people up so much that they have to have a filter where they self-censor to an extent yeah i think it's important that at an early age you sort of give 
children and and well anyone the skills to to be able to process that kind of stuff and to know what to do when they see something that freaks them out or yeah just how to deal with that without letting it fester away mm. and kind of uh, turn into something uh, sort of PTSD style. <laughs> so the the pawn block has has failed uh, as as it was going to and um so so nothing's changed there and obviously kids uh, now have got devices in their rooms um and you know you, I, I know a lot of parents who don't give children sort of ipods or whatever or tablets until they get to a certain age but that age is still usually kind of relatively young like so 13 yeah. 14 i see kids with like not even a year old knowing what to do mm. and i don't know what they're doing on their swipes and their their games things and there's a whole system of new skills being learned but but it seems to be a general addiction to um and reliance upon smartphones smart pads this this type of stuff and it, it's a bit of a concern for me just to refer back to the the, the topic before but the energy use in, in all these new devices and mm. when the third world countries are getting hold of them and having the same issues they are it's advancing their countries um the energy use is just pushing up and up and up yeah and you know people's mirth is in a way like having a damaging effect on the planet the frivolity is causing global warming. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that was something I'd meant to kind of bring up actually in the last in the last topic with the environmental impact of uh, online uh, resources and kind of online designs and things. Um, I think data centers um, worldwide account for something like the fifth biggest energy user <laughs> in the world. You know, after America and China, then data centers collectively uh, account for the rest and. And just people streaming videos, whatever they they may be, on YouTube or whatever, the amount of cooling and power and, mm. and all of that kind of stuff um, is having a massive impact uh, on the environment. When a, a lot of the time, it's you know, people just sort of hit play on YouTube and let it go and play music videos, and they don't even watch it; they're just kind of listening yeah. to the music. But it's free music, so why not? But all of that video playback is using power on your machine and, and in the data centers and all that kind of stuff. So even just small things like that uh, have an environmental impact. Yeah, I think if anything, that the, the the key thing that the UK government's going to come up with is like limiting the, the physical amount of use of those devices because you're seeing children, like I said, they're brought up with a technology. It won't be a, a do I or don't I use it. Like, like I don't have a, a smartphone and that's a deliberate choice because mm. when I'm on the net, I'm on the net. When I'm off the net, I'm, I'm in real life and I love real life. There's so much to behold and so much to be part of and it's, it's beautiful. But some people really don't see much of a, a distinction between it and I think it blurs certainly young people's uh, mental health lines as well because they're so used to it just being one thing after another after another and they don't really clock that there's a problem with this over energy consumption and yeah i think we're sleepwalking towards this kind of this sort of weird society where we're over consuming everything and don't even realize and some people don't even care but then the same people are saying save the planet <laughs> but we're not really saving it uh, uh, censor ourselves but we don't really know how to control ourselves and yeah my nightmare version of the future is that everyone's really doesn't understand how they're destroying everything and Maybe, maybe not, but yeah, or they maybe they should just chill out and watch some porn, let yeah, out some well, steam or would, ejaculate. You're talking about the future, but I, I think already we're at the point where most people are sort of quite comfortable not knowing knowing about all this stuff. I, I was at my friend's house the other month, and um, he he's got like a two year old boy, and he walked into the room, 
picked up his mum's phone, typed in a four-digit PIN number, <laughs> opened up YouTube and put on Peppa Pig and just sat there watching it. And, and he can barely speak. Uh, and I was just like, this is, this is ridiculous, um, but, but kind of impressive as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what jobs are around <coughs> and what, what, can, what all of this uh, digital nativism leads to uh, in the future. Maybe less physical addiction, like they don't seem to be drinking as much or... Mm. Like I know we put away a bit of booze in our in our youth, but uh, maybe the 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 overconsumption and the over the, the lack of a, any filtration of technology is is their opiate, if mm. you like. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems that way. And uh, yeah, like say, sort of, uh, I think kind of child pregnancy uh, rates are down, aren't they? And and yeah, pe- young people are supposedly less interested in drinking, although. Don't know. I've, I've only read the stats. I've not seen the proof. I guess pornography is a great sater, really. Like mm. you kind of uh, it sate. It it means that they're not going out. Well, maybe they're learning things that then they're doing, and it's got no value because they don't understand, like you know, love and, and that kind of stuff. Maybe as well. You know, everything's traceable nowadays, and I think the young generation do understand that. Mm. But it's there. There ought to be controls, and like you know, going towards an age where we might become thinking of, thinking of becoming a parent. You got to think everything's available like talking mm. to another member of staff in a staff room she's like the kids could go out on the streets they could get drugs if they want they know where the dealers are they, they go past that some of their mates probably even start doing it when they're older they, they can probably get booze if they know how to they can get anything that they they can see online and mm. everything's for sale really like um and you know th- there's not enough police because their budgets are being cut <laughs> um and yeah if, if we're gonna have this like siop kind of like cobra like we're going to lead on digital technology, like um, yeah, could be some jobs, but can we do it in a in a smart way, and can we save ourselves from ourselves, really? Yeah, and and yeah, likewise. I mean, there's you know the lack of policing and, and all that kind of stuff, and and kids kind of relying on technology to be a sort of stand-in parent, but the parents themselves are distracted by their own technology, <laughs> yeah. and so that's you know that's part part of the issue as well. What intrigued me about this topic was what it's doing to to young people to have access to all of that but what's that doing to them and what's that what what is that doing to their perceptions of um women or or men or yeah. um, you know how is that affecting them and how is that going to feed into their future relationships and uh, just all of that kind of stuff is kind of interesting and quite terrifying at the same time because uh yeah it, it strikes me that the 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 most obvious thing is that it will sort of diminish relationships and it'll diminish the kind of the way that the sort of value of all of these things. Um, That's the nature. I think the middle ground has got to be um, having controls, but not um, kind of excessive con- excessive controls that mean people and people can are smart enough to find ways to break it. Mm. But to have that like a level of education where you realize you can't unsee things. Like I saw this horrible stuff once in, when we lived in a shared house is like bestiality basically mm. i can never unsee that and it was disgusting it stayed with me but mm. the same token you could ha- you could see something that will always stay with you and like you say people need to learn how to process that and yeah the, the more everything is oversaturated i think the less certain young people realize they have to be able to control their emotions and they have to be able to kind of you know yeah okay i saw something i didn't like um but I've learned not to go out and seek that type of thing again. But at the same way, like, yeah, someone shows you something and doesn't explain what it is, there ought to be some sort of warning in a way. 
it's not an easy thing to please. Yeah, what I suppose parents and teachers are trying to do is instil at an early age the the sort of more uh, correct attitudes to, to things like sex and love and relationships uh, and sort of build build these into children so before they're even exposed to all of that stuff but then you've got to do that in such a way that you uh, don't that you're not trying to control the child and, and yeah. sort of lock them into any feelings of guilt or whatever about whoever they might be um, and, and all that kind of stuff so it is a really delicate uh, kind of balancing act that that people have to pull off um, but yeah, I'm not sure that uh, that censorship in, in any way like that is uh, is is going to help. The more you make something harder to do, the more certain people are going to be driven to do it, and that's human nature. It's curiosity. It's yeah. Why we have lots of good things because people wanted to change things. So I wanted to play a song next. This one is uh, the new single by um, a London-based artist called uh, Roach. She's a singer that. Uh, put out an EP uh, under the name Kate Miller about maybe about four or five years ago, uh, and it was it was really good. If you like kind of sort of nice uh, female pop in a kind of Lana Del Rey style, mm. um, it kind of said yeah, it sounded it was really polished, really nicely done, uh, and just a really good uh, record to listen to that summer. Anyway, she went away for a while, and then she's come back uh, with this name Roach and. It's all a little bit more experimental now, um, but it's yeah, it's good. I like it. Uh, she's playing at the Seabright Arms in uh, East London on the 23rd of uh, September. I don't know whether this podcast will go out before then or not. Probably not. To your challenge, Mr. <laughs> yeah, let's, ICT. <laughs> let's see what we can do. Um, but yeah, it's a free gig. Um, so yeah, that could be good. Um, so we'll have a listen.
Yeah, so that was I Love To You by Roach. Um, yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Nice crunchy synths, female vocals, nice uh, experimental hooks, ambient. Yeah, yeah, it reminds you of something? Uh, I'll talk no action. Well, I was thinking more like our jingle. Oh right, yeah. Should we hear it next to our jingle? Yeah, let's uh, let's ha- let's just play that again. Just uh, yeah. Real. Oink oink. Super, Super beast. beast. It's hard to pick, really, actually, uh, between those two. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about film and TV. Uh, have you got any uh, recommendations? Um, yeah, there's a few things I've been watching infrequently, but I've really enjoyed. Uh, that Hugh Philly Wingstall documentary, you should definitely watch it. I think it's The War on Plastic, okay. it was called. Worth looking up and worth watching, what, definitely. What channel's that on? I can't remember. Okay. But I think it's on BBC iPlayer, so you, you okay. should be able to find yeah, it. Yeah, that's good enough. Um, I've also been watching this other thing, um, The Hidden World of Waste, that's on Channel 5. Okay. Which, because I wanted to learn about, um, obviously, waste recycling and what happens watching a few of these and they're really good but what I got more from it actually and I really 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 enjoyed this was that the people who work in some quite experimental waste management facilities are doing really well uh, and if and if watchers listening to this you might want to invest in some of them um, because I think they're going to be boom um, the the people that worked in these industries were really 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 happy mm really really happy and just had these beautiful loving relationships two guys telling each other they loved each other making a stereo out of bits that people had thrown away and like the people working on the Thames taking all the effluent that's being used to like make power really happy in their jobs they're out on the water they're they're saving the planet and they've got great relationships with each other so if you're thinking of getting out of uh, whatever industry you're in waste management might be an amazing sector for the UK government to focus on mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm trying to tell people who are smashing their heads against each other what their job should be. Ah, backseat fucking governors. Yeah. What about yourself, Tom? Uh, yeah, what no, have you been watching? I was just thinking about that. Um, I, in terms of TV, um, I think everyone's probably seen it now, but Chernobyl earlier this year was really good. Really it's enjoyed awesome. that. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, it was, yeah, just a really well put together piece of TV of just something that, uh, an incident that kind of, I think it was about sort of at that age but watching it seeing it on news round um while i waited for the raccoons to come on <laughs> seeing uh, the the sort of disaster unfold was kind of like it's something that i still remember to this day it was really uh so so seeing that dramatized was it was just really nicely done the, the thing i watched on chernobyl was a documentary and it was looking how a lot of the wildlife has come back around mm. that area you yeah you're expecting like uh, simpson style three-eyed fish and that but yeah yeah, even though there's been a lot of nuclear fallout, um, there's been a lack of human activity and the animals have actually got quite a nice environment from it. Yeah. I don't know how long that balance will exist for, but it was quite heartening to sort of see that, you know, it's not going to be thousands of years of just cockroaches or whatever. Like. Yeah, yeah, that that is quite uh, But that's not a nuclear horror. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. And, and the TV programme has probably, uh, you know, increased tourism to that area by an order of magnitude that'll... Uh, destroy and uh, quickly uh, <laughs> backtrack any any positive stuff that's happened. Maybe sell a few thermonuclear, um, you know, well, maybe suits that people could wear to look at the wildlife. Like what we might all have to be doing in the future to mm. see a good bit of undisturbed wildlife. Yeah. If we go this way. 
Um, one other thing I want to talk about was I've seen this film. Uh, it's documentary twice now. It's called Village at the End of the World. Okay. Um, about uh, life in, uh, in well in Greenland. Oh, uh, nice. It's in the yeah. sort of most northerly part of Greenland, and uh, it's a little fishing village there. I think it's sort of about fifty nine, sixty inhabitants, uh, and it just follows the lives of the people that live there, and it's incredibly beautifully shot and it's just it's fascinating to see their lives and the, the you know why they choose to stay there the people that do and to see them as a community trying band together to buy the fish processing plant that's been closed down there uh, yeah. that's sort of the only way to keep the community going is to get this uh, to get this fish fish market up and running again uh, and so that's that's kind of the the focus of the documentary is really interesting and just beautiful to look at uh, and um, yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Do you think? Um, do you think the Greens want to be bought by President Trump so he can have his uh, inlet into you know the the Arctic North? Uh, uh, yeah, and their does. boom industries <laughs> when the the glaciers melt and uh, you know the methane swamps accelerate the the old climate change and you know eighty seven times more climate changing. Uh, I was told by frack free leads. In fact, told off because my song fracking only mentions twenty five times more climate changing. Sorry to have a go at the at the left, um, but you know, it would have been nice for him to say "nice song" rather than <laughs> "no, you've got a detail wrong." Even though I got the detail, I think from their uh, pamphlet, well, that was a few years previous. Yeah, accuracy is important when it comes to these things. Yeah, but it's so weird when science sort of changes or the, the statistic that mm. people use, especially because no one writes like very realistic propaganda. They just put very one-sided stuff out and it's up to people to kind of throw it together. Mm. One of the things that I watched that was really good is um, the, there's this guy doing this documentary on areas of Russia and he, he looked around like, uh, well, war zone areas as well, like, um, and was looking at life within Russia and things like that. And I, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, he's a really decent um, sort of prior into issues and thinker about things and tackler of different difficult issues and trying to look at both sides. And yeah, it wasn't too one-sided, so uh, if you can remember what that how is. How would people find that? Uh, I'll go and ask Charlotte what it was called before the end of the show and I'll let you know. No. Isn't there a, a Twitter for this? Haven't you just uh, yeah. a thing for this super beast yeah, you could contact us on. Yeah, so if people want to get in touch and uh, argue with us about any of this stuff or tell us what to uh, think uh, and talk about next time, um, yeah, they can get hold of us on Twitter um, at SuperBeastPod, uh, all one word, and uh, yeah. At SuperBeastPod on Twitter. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, don't consider the environmental impact of going on Twitter, just do it. Hmm. and uh, get in touch yeah well in that case we'll uh, play out with one more song what are you going to play uh, the one I wanted to to end with is um, my new my now undisputed favourite live punk band Casual Nausea uh, these guys are from Suffolk um, we played with them years back um, and I've seen them get better and better and they play this kind of hardcore that is at times goes into it sounds like Oliver Twist because they've got this amazing a um, couple of vocalists, the guitarist, a great vocalist, the bass player gets on the low end. Kind of sounds to me between a thrash between System of a Down and um, kind of some hardcore bands that I probably couldn't name and Oliver Twist. And the, the track's called Demons. And the guy, Sai, says no better than any vocalist I've ever heard. It's out on TNS Records and it was released the same day as our split on the 21st of April. If you haven't got this, uh, and even if you like hardcore, but it, it doesn't come out 
brilliantly on record. This really does come out very, very, very well on record, and I feel my hair stand up even thinking about it. So we asked Charlotte um, and the documentary that I was on about before was with a guy called Simon Reeve. So he's done quite a lot of them. Russia with Simon Reeve, Burma with Simon Reeve, something with Simon Reeve. They're all on the BBC, so it should be on iPlayer if you want to watch that. And sometimes on the TV. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.